Good morning, Destiny Church. So glad to have you all here with us. It's a great day. Some of you didn't believe that summer would come or that spring would come, but you were wrong. Today's the day. 52 degrees. Hallelujah. In the middle of winter, it seems like it's never going to come, but it is here. Isn't that great? We, um, this morning, we have a baby dedication of uh, the Prestons. So if you guys, can you come on up? Bring your whoever family members you want to come stand with you. Uh, it's a wonderful family, great people. Was there anything else you wanted me to say about you? <laughs> we appreciate these people. They're wonderful people. Love the Lord with all their heart. And uh, this is a great family. And this is a uh, little Henry Roger here. And uh, he's going to be uh, dedicated to the Lord this morning. And, uh, you know, we, um, we believe in uh, dedicating children to the Lord and blessing them. Uh, I say this every time we have a dedication that, um, you know, Jesus, when he was on the earth, uh, you know, they would bring children to him and infants to him. And, you know, the disciples thought, well, Jesus shouldn't be bothered with this menial thing. And so they were shoo the people away. But Jesus said, no, tell them to come. Then he said, of such is the kingdom of heaven. And, you know, it's so important. The next generation is so important. And, uh, and, and so that we have an opportunity this morning to, to bless a member of the next generation. You know, I tell people this all the time that, um, you know, God often when he answers prayers, we see this in the Bible, a pattern in the Bible. When earth has a tremendous need, God, the way God answers prayer is he sends the answer in a little child. And uh, we get the privilege of, of bringing our children up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And, and, you know, the Bible says, train children up in the way they should go. And when they're old, they'll not depart from it. And so we have that responsibility. God gives us gifts. We have that responsibility to, to train these children up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. And I believe in that this is such a powerful thing when we bless children and uh, uh, lay our hands on them and bless them. Because it's what Jesus did. I always think this, you know, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if Jesus was here right now, what would he do? He would take the children up in his hands and he would bless them. And you know for a fact that if Jesus blessed them, they'd be blessed, right? Well, we're his representatives. We're acting in his stead. And we're uh, speaking a blessing over these children and dedicating them to the Lord. But I always ask the parents, put them on the spot, um, three questions uh, to commit themselves, because we're dedicating this child, but to commit themselves to uh, lead the child to the Lord at a young age, to live right before them, and to um, be an example of godly living before the child. And so you guys commit yourself to that? Okay, so my wife's going to come up. Could we all stand together and let's pray together? Could you take little Henry Rogers? Will he come to you? Okay. He looks a little tentative. So let's, uh, let's, let's extend our hand out to this child. Lord, we just right now thank you for this amazing gift, little Henry Roger. We just thank you that you blessed Alex and Sindel with the, this gift, Lord. And we don't take, it, we don't take this, his interest into this world lightly. This child is precious. This child was ordained to live at this time. This child was ordained to fulfill a purpose and a destiny in the earth. Lord, we just thank you for this. And Lord, we just pray over this child's future. We pray, God, that you will cause this child to rise up and be mighty in the earth. Lord, that it will, he will live out his design, the purpose that you have for his life that you will rest your presence upon him, God, that you will keep him safe all the days of his life. Hallelujah. That he will uh, grow up to be a man of God, that he will not wander or stray, Lord, but that your angelic protection will be over his life. We just thank you, Lord, that he will be alert spiritually, alert mentally, and that he will be well physically all his life. God, we speak a blessing over this child right now. And we just thank you for him, God, this precious gift. And, Lord, we just pray for the family, Alex and Sindel, right now. We just pray, God, that you give them wisdom in, in raising up this child. 
We just pray, God, that they will know what to do in this time that we live, Lord. We just pray, God, that you'll give them a quick mind, that they will be able to discern what, what to do in every situation. And, Lord, we just thank you for harmony and peace in this home, Lord. Hallelujah. That this home will be a, like heaven upon the earth, Lord. We just thank you for that. And we speak a blessing over them now and over the grandparents and everyone that speaks into this child and has influence in this child's life, we just thank you, God, for giving them grace and wisdom for the place, Lord. Thank you for this incredible child, Lord, little Henry Roger. We dedicate him to you now in the name of Jesus. And everybody that agrees, say amen. 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 God bless you guys. God bless you, buddy. You were blessed. receive our tithes and offerings this morning. Um, ushers, if you want to prepare for that. If you need an envelope uh, for your giving, um, raise your hand or somehow signal an usher that's meandering about. Um, we have also some, a few different ways to give online or texting. Uh, so whatever you choose to do. Um, I, I just want to say something quickly about Steve talking about this place being a generational place uh, and how important that is. It really is. And every I've been here since I was like in fifth grade and I, I've never seen anything but uh, emphasis on gen generations and the next generation experiencing God. And as we're thinking about our tithes and offerings, that's a very, your money is a very generational thing. Uh, your, your seeds that you sow today go a long way deep into the future. And so I'm, um, I'm thankful to be a part of this church and this body, this generational body that's going to keep going into the generations. Um, yeah, so uh, take your tithes and offerings in your hand, and we're going to pray for that. Uh, thank you, Lord, that you have blessed us so greatly here that, that we really have it good and that we have an opportunity to partner with you to bring your word and to bring your uh, presence to the generations. And so, Lord, we take our seed today. With faith, we give it into your kingdom. And we just thank you that the fruit will be mighty. Amen. Yeah. Uh, and as the ushers are passing the, the offering baskets or buckets, uh, an announcement that we have for you is that David Wagner, uh, Prophet David Wagner, will be here uh, April 2nd through April 3rd. Uh, Saturday is the Ladies Connect at 9.30 a.m. Um, he will be ministering to the ladies. And then that evening at 6.30 and Sunday at 10 uh, is open to everybody to be here and receive from David Wagner. Uh, the other time that he will be around, if you can make it, is uh, Sunday evening at 6 o'clock at Hosanna Worship Center in Morris. So again, he, he'll be here the uh, Saturday morning for the women's meeting, and then Saturday evening, Sunday morning for here uh, for us. So um, thank you. Let's enjoy, uh, or let's uh, invite Pastor Steve up for the word. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Um, could I ask you to stand one more time? Um, I have a kind of an urgent prayer request. Um, we, uh, some of you know the Job family. They had one of their sons <clears throat> go home to be with the Lord last night, kind of unexpectedly. And um, so I, uh, his, the, his name was John Job. And, um, and so that was kind of a tragic thing. But So can we just pray for, for the Job family at this time? Lord, we just lift up the Job family, and we thank you, Lord, that you are the God of all comfort. You're the God of all peace. And, Lord, we just pray right now, God, that you give this whole family and uh, the peace of God, the comfort of the Holy Spirit. We just pray, God, that the, each one will have experience you in a new and living way, Lord. We just pray, God, that this uh, event will not bring tragedy 
to the rest of the family, but Lord, that you will redeem this situation. You said in your word, God, that you would uh, make even bad things turn out for good. And Lord, we just thank you, Lord, that not every situation's good, but Lord, that you can make good out of it. And we just pray for the good to come out of this situation, Lord. Hallelujah. We just pray, God, that the good, that the days ahead will be good days, Lord. Days full of your presence, days full of your purpose, days full of your design, Lord. We pray, God, use this situation for your glory. We just ask you and thank you, God, now for comforting the family. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated, everybody. Well, I believe that God is absolutely good no matter what. Amen. And uh, if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them with me to Matthew chapter 5. I, I want to talk to you this morning. I titled this message, When Truth-Telling is a Revolutionary Act. When Truth-Telling is a Revolutionary Act. Um, I heard this quote, and this is the whole quote. In a time of universal deceit, telling the truth is a revolutionary act. That's the whole quote. I don't know about you, but it seems to me, I'm, I'm 68 years old, It seems to me like I've never been lived in a time when there's more deceit and more dishonesty than there is right now. Do you guys feel that way? And sometimes we get we we're so it's so prevalent that we get used to it. We get used to just people not telling the truth. And, um, you know, we we talk about some of our leaders and stuff. And and I don't know if anybody thinks that they're all telling the truth. We, We just take it for granted. They're probably not telling us the truth. Um, you know, I had an incident happen to me a few years ago where I was at my dad's house. My dad had passed away, and uh, all of a sudden the phone rang. So I picked it up, and this voice said, Dad, this is John. I was just in a car accident, and I rear-ended a woman who was pregnant. They had to take her to the hospital. I'm in a lot of trouble, Dad. I'm at the police station. They just gave me one short phone call to make. And I'm going, what, what? And, and they said, a lawyer's going to call you. I got a lawyer. He's going to call you in just a few minutes. Dad, I got to go right now, but can you, can you talk to him? I said, yeah. So then about 15, 20 minutes later, a lawyer called. He goes, I'm John's legal defense, and I'm going to take care of his case. You know, it's a very serious situation, but uh, we've gotten people off before in this situation. And my mind is, I am freaking out. And um, and so I'm and so finally the guy goes, I'll call you back. You need to get four thousand dollars together and need to wire it to me as to hold as a retainer. And so I hung up and I called. I thought, I'm going to try to call John. So I called, tried to call John. He didn't answer. And so then I called a policeman that I knew and I I was totally taken in by this story. And I called a policeman that I knew because I wanted to know what were the consequences or what could the consequences be. So I kind of explained to this policeman that I knew the consequ- what, was, what was happening. And he goes, it's a scam. I go, what? I said, no, no, you don't understand. I mean, I was at my dad's house and John called me. How would he? No one knew I was there. I mean, he had to. He, I mean, it has to be real. He goes, it's a scam. They do this all the time. And I'm going, and all of a sudden, while I was talking to him, the phone was ringing. The, I was getting another call. It was John. And he goes, so I go, it's John. Let me, let me call you back. So I answer, and John goes, hey, Dad, how's it going? <laughs> I go, have you been in a car accident? He goes, I'm at youth camp. <laughs> You're at youth camp? Yeah, I've been here all week. You haven't been in a car accident? No. What is, you know, it's like, what is going on here? I mean, so I called the policeman back. It was, yeah, they do this all the time. But I go, but listen, how did he know that I was there? I mean, how did he know? And so finally, he called back. He goes, you got the money? The lawyer called back and got the money. So I started talking to him. And finally, I said, John just called me. I told this guy. And he's been at youth camp all week. He hasn't been in a car accident. He goes, oh. I go, yeah, oh. And so I tried to get some information from him beforehand, but he was very evasive. But I'm just like, what is going on? And then this week, now listen to this, this week, 
I found out that I have two dead relatives from Canada. <laughs> Same week. And you're looking at a guy that is about to inherit $28 million. All I got to do is send my banking information to them and they'll wire the money immediately to my account. Aren't I fortunate? But my point is, is that I, I don't know. It's, it could be just that it's happening to me uh, so, so like uh, all at once, like a flood. It just seems like the... the the idea that we are living in a very deceitful, deceptive society uh, is, is really heartbreaking. And, you know, what's interesting is that I've studied some of the sayings of the founding fathers. And uh, one, of the, one of the sayings, uh, like with John Adams, he was one of the founding fathers. He said that, our form of government only works for a, for a moral people. Our form of government, <clears throat> can you give me my glasses? Our form of government only works for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any others. Just think about that. He said it only works for a moral and a, uh, a religious people. That's what John Adams said. He was one of the founding fathers. John Madison said this. He wrote, that the Constitution, our Constitution, requires sufficient virtue among men for self-government. Otherwise, nothing less than the chains of despotism can restrain them from destroying and devouring them, one another. So what they're saying here is that our form of government, because it's self-government, it's, it's government by the people and for the people, it only works with moral people. And so I, when I look at our society and our culture, it gets very unsettling because I'm thinking we are headed for something that's not good unless we as Christians begin to pray. Amen. See, I last time I spoke, Stan spoke last week. I guess we had a wild time last week. huh? I appreciate Stan, but, um, but last time I spoke, I talked about creating a world that's livable. And, you know, all of us have had the experience of staying in places that are unlivable. I mean, maybe you've gone camping. And you go, why? Why did I do this? You know, why? I mean, I woke up, I got dew on me, I feel like a horse, you know. Uh, but, I mean, all of us have. I remember one time I was in Ukraine on a mission trip, and uh, it's, it's terrible. I mean, we stayed in this place that had rats. They had sewage in the bathroom. I mean, I could go through cockroaches everywhere, mold growing on the walls. And I'm going, this place is unlivable. Um, I was talking to the missionary. I said, I can, every night we'd lay there in bed, you know, and, and you could hear the rats chewing. And that's hard to go to sleep when, you, when you're listening to that. I mean, it's, like, it's hard to go. In fact, I used to, I have, a, I have a, a grading system. Like, you know, they have one star, two star, three star in hotels. Well, once you get lower than one star, it's one Tylenol PM, <laughs> two Tylenol PMs. The, the worst is a three Tylenol PM night. When, when, when the, I go, I stayed in a three, that was like a four <laughs> Tylenol PM to fall asleep that night. But I mean, it's like you look at this, it's unlivable. You know, the, 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 the baths are have, have mastery over the airways. The rodents are the land forces that have taken over the, the ground. I mean, it's just an unlivable situation. And w whether we realize it or not, we can create in our society a society that's almost unlivable. And one of the things that is a, a, a building block for a healthy society is honesty is honesty. Tell the truth for Pete's sakes. If you make a mistake, then correct it publicly. Tell the truth. But truth is something that we just don't even hear. I mean, I, it's often, I'm just ranting a little bit before I get into my sermon. You guys all right with that? Yeah. Um, so sometimes, 
you know, they, they, they have these independent rating systems that rate speeches that politicians make. And some of these politicians get, they call it four Pinocchios. I mean, one Pinocchio means he's lying. Two Pinocchios, he's lying a lot. Three Pinocchios, this guy is really lying. Four Pinocchios, everything he said is the opposite. You know, and that's how bad it is. And, and so a lot of times what happens is that we as Christians can be influenced by the culture that we live in. And that's very dangerous. You know, before I got saved, I, was, um, I, was, uh, I wasn't a Christian was raised in the church, but I wasn't a Christian. If you come to church here for a while, you know my testimony. I won't go into it. But among my many other problems that I had was I was a great liar. I mean, I could sit there, and I lied my way out of a lot of situations. I had a funny thing happen to me one time when I was in the midst of this period of time. My mother was a prayer. She would pray for me and pray for our family a lot. And so one time, she... She, I don't know if she's, if this happened, I can't remember the details. It's been like, you know, 55 years, but I can't remember the details. But at some point, what she saw, she either saw me literally spiritually or in a dream. She saw, as I was talking, a frog jumped out of my mouth. And so she confronted me. She goes, you are a liar. I go, Mom, I'm your boy. How could you say that? That's, that hurt my feelings. You are a liar. She goes, she told me that she saw a frog jump out of my mouth. And in Revelations, when it talks about the false prophet, it said that a frog, when they were lying, the frog jumped out of their mouth. So that's how she connected the two. And, and, um, and so it was difficult. I mean, my mom didn't always know what was going on with me. But the first time I smoked marijuana, she confronted me. She goes, I saw you. And I go, you smoked marijuana. I go, Mom, I'm your boy. And she goes, then she started to describe where I was when I did. So it's hard to lie then, you know, even though I probably did keep. but, But after I got saved, it was very difficult. I didn't outright lie after I got saved, but I would exaggerate. You know, I would tell a story or I'd talk about something and I would add a little bit of a zinger to the story, you know, just to make it a little bit more juicy. And I found myself doing this a lot and I, it bothers my conscience. You know, the Bible talks about having a, a healthy, a clear conscience. And the Bible says one of the things that affects your conscience, it says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, it says, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared, with a hot iron. So when you speak lies in hypocrisy, what happens is your conscience becomes seared. And, I, and, and you say, well, what, so what? Nobody else knows. Yeah, but your conscience is your ability to hear from God. Your conscience is your ability to see what God is doing. It's a dangerous thing to have a, have a, a seared conscience. That's a very dangerous thing. And so what I, I came to the conclusion is I got to get my conscience back. And so what I ended up doing, and this is very humiliating, because I saw myself as some big spiritual giant, but I heard another preacher did this, that every time I exaggerated, I would go back to the people that I told the story to, and I'd correct myself. So I'd go back, and I'd say, yeah, remember that story I just told you? they go, yeah. It was all true, except for this one part. And so they're kind of like, okay, you know. Whatever, you know, they don't even care, you know, but I didn't do it for their benefit. I did it for my benefit. I did it because I want to get my conscience. I want to get my conscience back. I want my conscience to be clear. And, and I tell you what, that really helped me a lot. Because if I thought, well, if I got to make this right, if I got to go back and clear this story up, I'm going to make sure I'm telling this story right. And I had to do that several times before I, the exaggeration, we'll just say it like that, white lie, say it like that, stopped in my life. Now, I'm not saying I've never done it again before, but it was habitual before. And I've met people, even Christians, that are habitual liars. And it's very troubling because I don't think they understand the effect that they have upon their own heart and life, but also the effect that we're having upon relationships within the church, but also the relationships we're having uh, in society as a whole. This we, we have to be the type of people that were telling the truth is a radical act where we say this this is the truth 
I'm, I'm, I'm going to be truthful as I possibly can, and I'm not going to hedge at all, and I'm not going to exaggerate, and I'm not going to flatter. That's another thing. Flattery is basically a lie. Usually people flatter because they're trying to gain an advantage. Like they'll come up to me and they'll say, you're the greatest preacher in the whole world. Yeah, well, I know that ain't true. <laughs> but, but, but they flatter because they're trying to gain some kind of an advantage. And so one of the things that I pray a lot about is um, I pray a lot about uh, clarity. Well, when I say I pray a lot, I don't know what you, mean, what you think of the word a lot. But I regularly pray about clarity so that I can see clearly. I want to be able to, because how many know there's so many things being said nowadays? We have ways to transmit information, and there's so many things that are being said that, it, that everything gets sort of cloudy. How many know that's true? And I want to be able to see clearly. And uh, because I want, to, I want to be able to understand truth. You know, it's interesting that in the beginning, God, when he created the worlds, it, sa- it tells us specifically, it doesn't just say he created the heavens and the earth, but it tells us specifically how he did it. it he began to speak. He commanded certain things to happen. And the earth, when, it, when he, it heard God's command, it began to respond to God's command, and it became what God said. And that is a picture, really, of our redemption. That's a picture of us. You know, we can, we can be in darkness. We can be in chaos. We can be in unfruitfulness as Christians, even as Christians or non-Christians. We can be in a place where we're not really being very productive. We're kind of in the dark. Uh, we're, we're, there's a lot of chaos in our lives. But when we receive God's word, what happens is all of a sudden light comes where there was darkness. And, and order comes where there was chaos. And fruitfulness comes where there was barrenness. And so it's so important for us to be able to hear God's word, to hear the word of the Lord. See, God doesn't ask us to do something that he doesn't give to us first. God doesn't require something of us until he gives something to us first. It's like the Bible, you know, we're, we're commanded to love each other. But he doesn't command us to love each other before he shed abroad his love in our hearts, the Bible says, by the Holy Spirit. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. In other words, God gives us his love, and then he goes, now I'm asking you to love. And, and we're not the source of love. We're not the source of anything that's good. God is the source of everything that's good. God is the source of love. And so, but what God begins to speak into our life and impart into our life, then God begins to require things from, from us. God doesn't impart love to us just so we can sit around and go, oh, I just, just love everybody, I just love. But he gives us love so that we can impart love to others, that we can manifest the things that he, he wants to do in our lives, that we will manifest his character. And so in, my, in Matthew chapter 5, I want you to turn there real quick. Because I think this is what I'm trying to say. This verse says that blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So I used to always translate this verse that if I live my life and I maintain a pureness of heart here in this life, that someday after I die, I'll be able to see God. That's how I translated that verse. But when you think about it is there's another verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 where it says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. All of us. So every one of us are going to see God. Every one of us, after we die, we're going to see God. We're going to meet God. It's appointed unto man once to die. After the death is the judgment. So all of us are going to see God. And so I don't think he's talking about the pure in heart will see God in eternity. Because he's saying the pure in heart will see God. But I think what he's talking about is the pure in heart uh, recognize what God is doing. The pure in heart see God in this life. The pure in heart recognize, are able to recognize what God is doing. They're able to hear what God is saying. They're able to discern the times that we're living in. We're living in a time God is saying something in our hour. How many know that's true? I mean, God didn't all of a sudden go, boy, it's so messed up down there. I don't think I can say anything. No, God is saying something in our hour. And God is doing something in our hour. And so to recognize uh, 
the fourth thing is to recognize spiritual principles that move life in the direction of blessing or cursing. There, there, are, there, are, there are spiritual laws or principles that are moving, that are working in your life right now, moving you toward blessing or moving you toward cursing. And so the, it says the pure in heart see God. They understand, they recognize what God is doing in this hour. Because confusing times are really, if you think about it, they're dangerous times. Confusing times are dangerous times because people long for security and they, they crave, uh, they, they, um, they gravitate toward authoritarianism and authoritarian structures, that uh, domineering structures that bring a sense of peace or bring a sense of normalcy to their lives. And that's a very dangerous place to be. You know, in Germany, before World War Number Two. Um, it's very clear that the German society was in a, a lot of chaos, very, very chaotic. The people were very poor. Uh, the, the, the inflation was very high. People's lives were being destroyed. And people, in the midst of all that confusion and that chaos, people longed for structure. They longed for somebody that would bring a sense of peace. And so these strong authoritarian leaders came. That's why it's a very dangerous period of time. And Jesus said, that we have to be the type of people that are, can hear clearly, can see clearly, can understand what's happening. You know, in the Old Testament, there was this group of people, the sons of Issachar. It said they had understanding in, they could discern the times that they were living. And I don't believe that, that God just had that for them. I believe God had that for us. And if we can learn to, uh, as, we read our, as we read the Bible, if we can learn to yield and receive from the Spirit of God, because the Spirit of God is called by Jesus the Spirit of Truth. And if we can learn to receive from God, from the Spirit of Truth, we can have clarity. We can have clarity. We can start to see things clearly. And I believe that's really what we want, what we want to do. So to see clearly, there's two things that have to happen. Number one is that we have to love truth. We've got to love truth. And the second thing is that we have to maintain the purity of heart. We have to maintain the purity of heart. You know, it's interesting. I heard this preacher, he talked about his dad. And his dad was, um, his dad was uh, a successful businessman. I think, I think it was uh, a certain, I don't want to say what company, but I think it was a certain company that he worked for. Well, the company had violated some federal laws. And, uh, and so uh, they were being you know, prosecuted because of it. And this guy's dad was the only one that could either let the company off the hook or, you know, bring the company uh, into a liability with the government. And so the company leaders came to him and said, if you lie, if you lie, we will promote you and we'll give you a big bonus. If you don't lie, you tell the truth, you're fired. And he had a great job. I mean, he had a really good job. And so... Uh, this, the son was sitting there going, you know, he was wondering if his dad could sleep that night. And he goes, his dad goes, I slept great. And he goes, what is he having hard when he got on the, when he got on the witness stand? And they go, did they do it or didn't they do it? Did you have a hard time? Did you want to fudge a little bit? Did you want to, you know, you know what I mean? You just kind of go, well, you know, I don't know. You know, I don't remember, <laughs> you know, or, you know, you know, you know what I mean? Something like that. And the guy goes, yeah, they did it. <laughs> The next day he got fired. And the point was, his son asked him, well, did you feel, did you feel kind of, he goes, no, it was a lie. Really? It was a lie and I'm not lying. And I think that's a powerful example, especially in our culture today. That's why tell, when telling the truth is a revolutionary act. When we say, we say, no, it's a lie, I'm not lying. Because what happens when we lie, we don't tell the truth. I know this is, sounds kind of negative, but there, it's really an important point to make to people. When we lie, we, we actually destroy re, the fabric and the foundation of relationships. If a, person, if, you, if a person lies to you, you can't have an intimate relationship with that person because you don't trust them. And so trust is, is, uh, trust is destroyed when people lie. 
And so it's very important for us to tell the truth. So to see clearly, I have to love the truth and I have to seek to maintain purity of heart. So there's a statement that I hear often that young people make, and maybe you've heard it. This is my truth. And and they'll, they'll say, you have your truth, I have my truth. But truthfully, there's only one truth. And the Bible says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then another place when Jesus was praying, he said that thy word is truth. That's why we judge everything or we examine everything in line with the truth of God's word. See, because truth is truth whether I believe it or not. You know, you can say, like I heard this one guy say, well, if I believe what you believe, they will both be wrong. <laughs> and so at least if I stand with the truth, at least I'll be right. You know, you don't understand what I'm saying? I want to stand with the truth. I want to stand with what is true. Truth is eternal. Truth existed before time began. Because when Jesus came on the scene, John said the, the word was made flesh, that he was filled with, uh, with uh, grace and truth. He, he was the truth made manifested. And so Jesus is the embodiment of truth. And so the truth is based on God's eternal word. It's not invented. It's not determined or created. It is discovered. And we are not its source. God is the source of truth. And so we accept it. And so to be pure in heart, I have to have, I have to, first of all, I have to love the truth. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got to love the truth. Because really, Jesus said in the last days, the first characteristic, of the, the first warning that Jesus gave about the last days, where he said, be careful that nobody deceives you. So we know that deception is going to run rampant in the last days. So the first thing is, I have to be a lover of truth. The second thing is I have to be pure in heart. I have to be pure in heart. See, the one thing is, you know, people say, well, I don't know, uh, you know, God has control of my heart. No, you control your heart. You control your heart. And so what does it mean to be pure in heart? It means to have pure motives. It means to be transparent, to have integrity, to have honesty, to be genuine, to be authentic, to be loyal, to be innocent. Every time I practice loyalty, in other words, when I'm with somebody and, and they're talking something about somebody that, is, that I know, if I'm loyal, I'll say, now, wait a second here. That's my friend you're talking about right there. And sometimes people feel like they want to be accepted so badly that they don't say anything. But, you know, sometimes, you know, I heard the expression one time, some people's tongues are so long they can sit in the living room and lick a spoon in the kitchen. And that happens a lot. And what we need to have is a a body of people that rise up, Christians that rise up, that, that are people that are loyal to one another, loyal to relationships, that are supporting one another, that that create an environment where there is where there is loving uh commitment to one another. And so the opposite of of a pure heart is someone who is crafty, someone who has a hidden agenda or hidden motives, someone that uses flattery or manipulation, being disingenuous, hypocritical, disloyal, or have duplicity. So it's important for us. And the reason for that is, I want you to look at another verse here. Turn over to 2 Samuel. I know, this, I know you're like all excited about this message. I went to church and the pastor called me a liar. It was fun, man. <laughs> Said, I'm a deceitful person. I live in a culture that's deceitful. No, I'm saying that you need to become a radical. You need to become so radical that you tell the truth. I remember one time there was this guy, he was, first, he was a Christian, and he had this issue with lying. I understood his problem, but I mean, I, I, like I said, I had a little problem with exaggeration. This guy lied, even when he didn't have to lie. And I remember one time we, we were somewhere and he started telling us, telling us a story that I knew about. And he started telling the story and I'm looking at him and he goes, and he stopped, he looked at me, and I, I looked at him and he goes, well, maybe that's not the way it happened. <laughs> I, I wanted to say, but he, we were other people around. I said, you think? 
I just wanted to yell at him and say, stop lying! Right? Here's, here's another reason why it's so important to be truthful. Look at 2 Samuel verse, chapter 22. This is, a very, this is David talking to the Lord in a song. He said, toward the loving and loyal, you will show yourself loving and loyal. And with the upright and blameless, you show yourself upright and blameless. See, he's saying this to the Lord. Lord, to the loving and loyal, you show yourself loving and loyal. And with the upright and blameless, you show yourself upright and blameless. To the pure, you show yourself pure. And to the willful or the twisted, you show yourself willful or twisted. In other words, that's the, that becomes their experience because their character twists everything because their heart's not pure. It's almost impossible to believe that God keeps his word if you don't keep yours. It's, so, it's almost impossible to believe that God keeps his word if you don't keep yours. And so most people have no idea how destructive lies are. Mark Twain said that he was more noble than George Washington. Because George Washington said, I cannot tell a lie. And Mark Twain says, I can lie, I choose not to. That's funny. But listen to this, listen to this verse. I'm almost done, I think. Look, listen to this verse. Turn to John chapter 8, verse 44. Let me try to end this on a positive note. Let me give you one more negative thing and I'll try to end on a positive note. But John chapter 8, verse 44 says, you are the, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. He said, you are, the, you are of your father the devil. Now that's rough. And Jesus is the embodiment of love. He says, you are of your father the devil. I don't care what, how, whoever you think you are, that is rough. You're of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. That's pretty rough right there when you look at it. And so, see, all of us desire an environment that is honest, accepting, honoring, loving, where we are known, celebrated, and appreciated. Think about that. We all we desire that kind of an environment where we are far from oppressive hierarchy uh, that where people try to manipulate, where they're two-faced. We don't, we don't want to be a part of that. We want to have people that speak honestly to us, but they speak honestly in truth. They speak honestly in love, right? When people, are, when people lie and are deceptive, something is broken down in the relationship and cynicism and chaos appear and people start acting badly. Relationships deteriorate, homes become battlefields, livable societies vanish away. So important for us to be truthful. How many can see what I'm saying? See, as a Christian, it's contrary to my nature to lie because I have a new nature. I'm a new person in Christ Jesus. It's contrary to my nature. But with each little lie I tell, I prove to myself, I transform myself into a liar, even though that's not my nature. With each lie I tell. So not only does lies hurt people that you're talking to, but lying also twists your own character, your own soul. Amen. See, only the most twisted, perverse philosophies believe that reality can be bettered, improved through lies. You've got to be a pretty cynical person. You've got to be pretty twisted, pretty unhinged to believe that something can be improved through lying. Or that relationships can be improved through lying. Or that anything can be improved through lying. And so it's very important for us just to be brutally honest. And I, real, I realize this it doesn't mean that you're supposed to go around and just tell everybody everything that you think, because not everything that you think is truth. How many know that's true? But, we, but there needs to be a body of believers rise up that are truthful and transparent and honest 
and are loving and caring and that are committed to each other, committed to relationships, committed to build up, committed to strengthen, that have the attitude that what you're going through, I'm going to go through it with you, that I care enough about you to be your rear guard. I care enough about you to protect your character and protect your uh, reputation. We need to have that kind of people. I want to give you one last verse as I close here. You know, it's interesting. The last line of the Declaration of Independence says this. How many of you have read the Declaration of Independence? You read it? Here's the last line. This is what all these signers signed their name to. And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, that's God, with a firm reliance on the protection of God, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. In other words, they, they committed themselves to each other. They committed their lives. They committed their fortunes. And many of them suffered the loss of life, the loss of fortune, the loss of family because of what they did. But they were, they were men and women of integrity. Amen. And that's what has to rise in the last days is there has to be people that are so radical, so revolutionary that they just tell the truth. And this may be ugly, but I'm going to tell you the truth. Right? Because the truth will set you free. In Ephesians chapter 4, let's be, let me conclude with this. It says, rather let our lives lovingly express truth in all things, speaking truly, dealing truly, living truly. Enfolded in love, let us grow up in every way and in all things into him who is the head, even Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. So here, here the Bible tells us that when other, like the King James Version says, speaking the truth in love. We will grow up. Can you leave that verse up there? Speaking the truth in love, we'll grow up. So we can't grow up without people speaking the truth around us. But not just speaking the truth, but speaking the truth in love. And I know sometimes when you read that, you might say, well, that's, that's my job is to you know, correct everybody. And my job is to point out where everybody's missing it. No, that's not your job. You're not the Holy Spirit. and He doesn't need your help. Right. You know, it's interesting, as I conclude here, I want to tell you a story about David. Most of us have read this story about David and Abigail. But David was running from Saul and he was hiding in the wilderness. And there was a guy there that named Nabal that had a he was a very wealthy man that had a lot of livestock and a lot of sheep and oxen and oxen and oxen oxen. And so David and his men protected Nabal. And, and so that none of their sheep or none of their oxen were stolen. And so then at the time of where they were butchering or whatever, David sent some men there to get some payment because they had rendered this incredible service. And Nabal was drunk. And he said, who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? He just sort of brushed him off. And, uh, and so what happened was, when David's men came back and they said, Nabal told you to go take a flying leap. You know, that's, that's my terminology. And David told his men, get your swords on, let's go. And so and I won't tell you the wording because the wording is a little rough. He basically said, we're going to go kill everybody. He goes, I won't leave. I'll tell you the wording. So that I'll do some shock value. Should I tell you this? It's in the Bible. I didn't make it up. He said, if I leave one person that pisses against the wall by morning. That's, that's, what, that's in the Bible, by the way. And so he goes, I'm, no, I'm killing, he said, I'm killing everybody. And so they're on their way, and Abigail finds out, Abigail was Nabal's wife. Abigail finds out, and so she gets a bunch of, she gets a bunch of provision, and she, she cuts David off. She meets him on the way. And here, what's really interesting is what, Na, what Abigail said to David. Abigail comes and she, Abigail didn't say, what you're doing is terrible. You shouldn't do this. What kind of a person are you? Uh, are you vile person? You're going to kill a bunch of people. Why, why would you do this? She didn't do that. What she said was, David, 
Someday you're going to be a great king. She spoke the truth as, as the, the prophetic word over David's life. You're going to be a king someday. You're going to rule over all Israel. You're going to be, you're going to be great and all your enemies are going to be subdued under you. She spoke the truth to David at that crucial time. And because of it, David said, you're right. She goes, you don't want this blemish on your record. And, da- and she said, David said, you're right. And so then later Nabal died and, and, David, and David actually married Abigail. He goes, I got to have a woman in my life that talks to me like that, speaks truth to me, even though I'm acting like a fool. She's somebody that speaks fool. And we need people in our lives that when we're acting like a fool, they speak truth to us. Right? They speak the truth. Not flattery, but they speak the truth. Let's all stand together. Well, anyway, so, so what did you, you take from this sermon? Steve's been having a bad day. He's been experiencing a lot of lying in his life. So if that 28 million comes in, I'll give you a little something to wet your beak. But how many believe that it's probably not going to come in? Yeah, it's not probably not going to come in. But it's something to laugh about. But it's, is it really? It's something to cry about. Because that's what we've come to in this life. So one of the reasons why people, why we don't see clearly is because, you know, our heart isn't where it should be with God. We've allowed little things, maybe little dishonesties or little, we, we weren't maybe truthful in something that we said or we, we weren't truthful, we weren't honest, we weren't genuine, we weren't transparent. And so those little things, it's, it says speaking lies and hypocrisy, it says sears our conscience. And that's a real dangerous place to be, to have a seared conscience. You say, what does it mean to have a seared conscience? It means that you can say something in this context that's not true, do something in this context that's not true, and you don't feel anything. Because usually what happens when you say something that's not true, man, it bugs you. (laughs) Oh, man, that bugs me. That wasn't true. Or you do something that's not right. Even something so simple like, Maybe the cashier gives you a few dollars extra, and you go, ooh, what a fool that guy was. You know, no, you, should, you should own up to it. Or cheat on, the, cheat on your taxes. Well, nobody will know. Yeah, but you know. And God knows. But you'll know. See, I don't, that one got everybody, didn't it? Oh, it's tax season. Right. Tax season. You know, they say integrity is what you are when no one's looking. You know, another story that's so powerful about David is that when David was finally on the throne, it says that he was there and he was in a covenant with Jonathan. He had made a covenant with Jonathan. And Jonathan was dead. Saul was dead. Most of their family had died. But he's sitting there on the throne. And when they made covenants in those days, a lot of times they would cut their hands and they would put their hands together. And then they would put some, you know, some kind of a substance in the cut so that it would be permanent. And so they, they think the idea, it doesn't say this, but that he was sitting on the throne and he looked at his hand and he saw that mark. And then he made this statement, is there anyone left of the household of Saul that I can show them kindness for Jonathan's sake? And nobody was holding his feet to the fire. Nobody was telling him that he had to do this. It was all integrity of heart. It was all integrity of life. Nobody would have pointed out to him, hey, you were in covenant and there's some descendants left. He didn't even know if there was descendants left. He said, is there anybody left of the household of Saul that I could show kindness to him? And somebody came in and said, yeah, there's Saul. Jonathan had a son. His name Mephibosheth. 
So there, if you're looking for a baby name, Mephibosheth. There's one. Can you imagine Mephibosheth? Some other long name, Cornamone. You know, that <laughs> kid would grow up hating you all your life. Why? Why couldn't you just go, you know, Joe or something? Why, why Mephibosheth? But it shows the heart of David that he didn't want his integrity of heart pushed him to do the right thing. You know, most people would say, well, I'm going to lie now, ask God to forgive me later, and everything will be okay. Yeah, but when you, when you told that lie, you proved something to yourself. You proved that you could be a liar. And that's a dangerous thing. And so a lot of times the way to, do it, way to undo it is to correct it. I mean, first ask God to forgive you, and he said he would. But then to make it right. So I'm owning up to this. I'm making this right. And you say, well, what will I gain? You'll gain you. He'll get you back. you get purity of heart back. Amen. That's important. I know it's not an exciting message, but it's really important. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you that you are a tremendously forgiving God who forgives us when we ask you to. So day right now in this place, Lord, we, just, we desire to hear your voice. We desire to see clearly, hear clearly to discern the times that we live in, to see spiritual laws at work that push our lives toward blessing or push our lives toward cursing. We just pray today, Lord, that, that you would examine us. And Lord, if there's anything that we haven't made right with you, Lord, we just pray right now or made right with others. We just pray right now that the grace of God that teaches us to deny ungodliness would begin to teach us today and that we would deliver ourselves from anything that would hold us back, anything that would keep us from seeing clearly. We just thank you for truth. We just thank you for honesty. You're a God of truth without iniquity. Just and right are you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for it now. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. I'm going to dismiss the service, a little different service today. But if you are here and you have a physical, spiritual, mental, emotional need, I'm going to ask the prayer counselors to please come forward. So if you have a need, please, as soon as I dismiss. we got some fellowship back there, uh, some refreshments. We invite you to join us. But if you do have one, a, a physical, spiritual, emotional, mental need, I just encourage you to be prayed for. Got these prayer counselors here. They're wonderful people. They love, they'll love on you and pray for you. But as soon as I dismiss, please come forward. You know, it's been great to be together. I know it's a little heavier service. I, I promise that next week. Well, I can't promise that. <laughs> I might be lying, yeah. There I did it again. <laughs> but, um, but I just, I mean, I, I don't say these things for your hurt or injury. I say it for your good. This is something that all of us needs to defeat in our lives because it is so destructive to us, but to others too, and to society. Don't become cynical because it's like nobody tells the truth. Don't become cynical. Become a radical. Become a revolutionary. Be bold in telling the truth. Amen? Well, it's been good to be together. If you need prayer, please come forward. God bless you all. You're free to go.